0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of This Week in Innovation. Today, Brian and I caught up with the folks at Delivery Solutions to talk about last mile orchestration. Really interesting subject and an area that's clearly going to be increasing and expanding dramatically. I met these folks at Manifest, which is a new conference that I highly recommend. It's focused on logistics and last mile orchestration, an awful lot of startup stuff, really Good conference and definitely put it on your calendars for uh, next year now give this interview a listen and let us us know what you think hey brian how you doing today doing great Jeff. how are you really good hey i'm really excited about today's interview Uh, i bumped into these guys at manifest last what last month or so and i think they have a really interesting story so manel upo a founder of delivery solutions you there
1: Yes, I'm on, uh, Jeff. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Hey, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us about what your company's, what what you're doing? Sure. Uh, So
1: uh, my name is Manil Akbal. I'm one of the founders of Delivery Solutions. Delivery Solutions is a connectivity and an orchestration platform that's used by retailers and and other platforms. And we help our customers with use cases around same-day delivery curbside, Vopez, shipping, and then we do have a full-stack holistic post-purchase solution. So as a lot of retailers are looking to solve problems around quicker, better, faster experience for their customers, we are that one-stop shop that helps them go to market quicker and faster on on, on all of these uh, use
0: cases. So what would be an example of how a company or a retailer would use you? What, what's the start? What are they thinking about? What are they trying to figure out and solve? And then how do they plug you in?
1: Yeah, so for example, we work across all verticals of retail. So we have customers who are in grocery space, alcohols, specialty retail, apparel, logistics, supply chain, things like that. If you take a very traditional example of a retailer, somebody like a Sephora, for example, is a customer of ours. Uh, so the digital Omni folks at Sephora, are looking to see if they can get their products faster than their customers, specifically from a same-day contact. So how do they set across enabling this brand new channel in their Omni-channel strategy and start offering it to the customers? So there are touch points that are all the way from the e-commerce and what needs to be done there versus on the post-order side, what needs to be done at the store level, which vendors they need to be working with, and ours is the platform you know that supplies of the technology to get this end-to-end executed so that would be a very traditional example of where we help a lot of retailers add the same day delivery channel as a part of their like holistic uh you know omni-channel strategy and like i said it's end to end from from when the customer has landed on the e-commerce and is browsing and shopping all the way to order getting delivered you know we are when we are delivery partner uh, and that entire post-purchase communication uh, and feedback back to the customers.
2: This is definitely a very interesting space, money especially given the fact that because of COVID and frictionless, we have something, I my company, Roy, we have worked with a lot of major you know, providers and retailers, especially with, in the convenience store space, is very really interesting to do delivery because the same day is a big deal. How quickly can you get things to folks? How um, are you currently uh, thinking about, uh, does your platform today facilitate sort of a like an API on top of existing delivery services? Or do you have like own staff delivering it? How does that ecosystem work? Let's not have their ecosystem to bring in.
1: Yeah, we, we stayed away from doing our own delivery. So we basically invented the space of uh, same-day, last mile aggregation. Uh, that was actually the big founding idea of this company. So we were the first company, when we started five years ago, you know, we took an Uber, put it next to a Lyft, put it next to an Instacart, next to a DoorDash, next to a ship. And created this wrapper around all of these companies, so we have one API that's facing the retailer or the platform, and then the other side we do two major things. One is universal connectivity; right, we are connected to everybody, one, you know, in the same space. Not only delivery providers, but think IoT solutions like uh, lockers and those kind of things, or new age stuff like autonomous drones. Whoever you want to get connected to, it's already there. One to many API connectivity, and the second thing is orchestration. Now, which order goes where to which provider, from which location, for what type of customer, based on what criteria, that entire delivery strategy is configuration on the platform. So the retailer does not have to write any code or we don't have to write any code, but it's all in a config format where they can then execute on whatever their ideal delivery strategy is for their business, for their customers. And so that's kind of how we function.
2: Okay, no, this is actually super interesting. So how does that, so, so, That means the cost of delivery would vary based on time and that amount, and so the customer would actually choose the option during checkout. So you have a little plugin that kind of goes through that.
1: Yeah, it's, we surface the options through API, but in general, we work with mostly big enterprise retailers. Big enterprise uh, retailers don't usually, you know, want to subject their customers to variances in price. So on the customer side, they'll probably pick a, a fixed price that hey, it's nine ninety nine, seven ninety nine, or what have you. So you as a customer have that consistent experience every time you land on their website. On the back end, yes, the price varies depending on the vendor, time, distance, the type of contract, etc. And that's where our, on the back end, our system is optimizing. And if they want us to rate, we can do that or whatever else their delivery strategy is. But we're keeping the customer insulated from variances and complications and around the space.
2: Okay, great. And then the, when the final delivery provider is selected, for example, a lift or something, the customer will... We will, we'll let know that and you'll also tell them the current. It's all as yeah, yeah. from a customer's perspective, but but they have assurance that like this provider will, provide, will deliver to your uh, last month. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, even in that space, if you have our entire post coaches stack, so the communications to the customer is all lightened. So it's happening yeah. as the brand, right? So whether it's think outbound like email or SMS, I think a uh, sort of hosted pages, but the hosted pages are branded to the customer's website where you can come and see where's your order and you can see all of the, so the order and things like that. I think the customer does not, you know, fully white label, uh, implementation. The end customer doesn't know which provider it is until that person actually shows up at the door every the entire journey is, is white labeled to the customer's brand so and that was one of again the founding principles of our of our company was we wanted the brand that we work with to offer this experience white label all the way to the last month keep the customer captivated into the brand all the way to the end of the journey I mean it used to be the case if you wanted faster delivery back in the day you had to jump on not to get that done. So now you're transferring your customer to the marketplace. There is the marketplace brand experience, stuff like that. We are the, actually the entire, the entire family in the sense that we want to enable the retailers offer this up on their own brand all the way into it. So that's what we facilitate.
2: Yeah, this is definitely fascinating, Manil, because given the fact that I was reading, I don't know if you've read this book, Jeff Lawson's Ask Your Developer, where he talks about the software supply chain, where, you know, like the pieces are where retailers and traditional companies get to stitch pieces of software and get yeah. a very complicated, very complex ecosystem delivered to them, but they are not really necessarily have to deal with that complexity because everything else is like stitched through like the service and they're, yeah. off- they're offering
1: is Yeah, we yeah, have absolutely. No, that's a great point. I don't think if it ever be like one big block, there's going to be still bigger blocks like e-commerce, order management. But yes, within our block, we're trying to abstract as much complexity as possible for the type of retailer that can stitch the best of breed solutions in their tech stack. So that's exactly what we're doing is we're offering one layer, uh, which is basically an orchestration layer uh, that sits above all fulfillment options. So whether you're shipping same day, whether your customer's coming to the store to pick up, whether you're doing some double locker or collection points, pickup points, all of that stuff, all of that's abstracted by this one SaaS layer. And then everything else beyond that is like config and things like that versus the retailer trying to figure out oh, look, I'm trying to do something new. That's a six-month process of an e-commerce release and this and that. No, it's just config. Just go. Yeah,
2: Yeah. and also given the fact that there's so much legacy systems and warehouse systems sitting in different places, it's a much bigger lift for the retailer compared to working with a more modern
0: stack solution. Absolutely. Do you worry about, is that your job, to worry about the quality of the actual delivery of whatever... whatever route or whatever provider that you use, Uber, Lyft, all these? Yeah, it, it's absolutely
1: our, our job to make sure that the outcome, A, is within the desired SLA that the customer signed up for. Because at checkout, the customer you is know, saying same day. Beyond that, we also go one level deeper and you know, provide slots as to, okay, Jeff, you wanted the same day, so do you want it between like 10 and 12 or 12 and 2 or things like that? So once you have... As a retailer, taken that commitment up front—that hey, you know what, uh, you're gonna—we're gonna get this delivered between this time and this time. Then yes, then you know the retailer has to keep up to that promise, and it's our job using our software to make sure that happens. So we have a lot of features in the platform that are proactive in terms of like self-healing, self-awareness, also uh, reactive in terms of like exception management. So as we have dispatched a delivery, we're actually tracking it, and the system. If it's seeing risk, or if it's seeing that this provider has not yet sent a driver to pick up the order, and things like that, we're automatically pulling that back, giving it to the next one, and things like that. So all of these are other config elements where we, from a no-touch standpoint, help retailers and their customer service kind of manage and take care of 95 plus percent of the exceptions just systematically as we see risk in the progression of the deliveries.
2: And how does this work in terms of the one of the challenges of, because we've worked in a couple of systems in the past, like this type of systems, right? Have, one of the challenges that we've always faced is like when the when the picker goes to the, the retailer, the, the associates are not fully aware through whatever the current because of all the legacy systems or so they don't necessarily cooperate very well. Like how, how do you guys how you guys tackling that?
1: Now, we have a piece of our solution that is also store-facing. We call it the app. If you think of a particular store, what are the touch points on that store? Right, their customers obviously walking in. Then there are customers who are coming to pick up their orders using buy online, pick up in store. There are customers coming to get their orders curbside at the at that retailer it has that functionality. And then their drivers coming to pick up orders for delivery orders and stuff like that. In, in terms of customers coming in. Or drivers coming in for the customers. We're tracking them using our curbside focus technologies. So as soon as you're on the way, we know where you are, when you're going to be, you know, at the store. We're tracking drivers coming in and we're showing the store associates on a dashboard that, Oh, look, you know what? Jeff, uh, the customer, he's five minutes out. Get ready with this. And customers can set up geofences and exactly like calibrate exactly what type of heads up you want. You want a 10 minute heads up, 15 minutes. And then we can say, oh, and the this next is broader
2: interface, right? Money—they don't need to download a special app.
1: This is web interface. First of all, we have many ways, right? So web interface is one of it, right? Where we also have SSO, and you can integrate it again into your existing uh, store portal. The second thing is all of these is also so using API example. So if you want to take our data and then build it into your own app, that piece is available as well. A lot of these uh, stores have handheld like Zebra devices that the associates are carrying so you can pipe the data, you know, into your store app that's running on that Android platform. So there are many ways. We we sit on all the data and our job is to sort, it, you know, show it to store associates so that the experiences for the customers more delightful. Also, labor is very finite. You know, these stores, in, they're not running with 20 associates in the store and stuff like that. So when you only have two or three associates, how do you make them extremely efficient so that they can also serve the customers that are coming in, but they can also uh, get ready for a customer who is doing a pickup order or a driver who is coming to pick up a delivery order and stuff like that? How do you smoothen that entire process with limited labor right, in the store? So we have solutions that help with that.
2: Very cool. Very cool. I think it's great that you sort of thought about the entire touch point all the way from front of the customer to back on the associate, because I think, you know, that there is problems everywhere and it's great to see that you have solutions at every place here fascinating yeah yeah i think in our dna when we think of a use case we started this company with the same day
1: delivery use case our lens was end-to-end right we didn't set out to build a water management system or a dms system or whatever we said we're going to solve the problem of same day delivery end-to-end and when we say end-to-end for us that meant i chat on e-commerce all the way from homepage to PLP, PDB, card, all of those uh, interfaces, down to order management, what happens in the store, store ops level, what are the touch points of the
0: customer, what are the touch points your delivery providers, all of it, it's the entire ecosystem that we sat down to solve, right? Do you have a sense for how, what the rate of increase for same-day delivery is? We've All the analysts have speculated that it will see almost a hockey stick, but you're probably the one person that actually has real data. Do you have a, <laughs> a, a sense? Is it continuing to go, grow? Uh, we're not through COVID yet, but at least in the space we are now where people are beginning to return to stores. Do you have a sense on that?
1: Free trade is my answer by saying same day at this point is table sticks in anybody's omni-channel strategy. You're not offering it. The consumer of today is saying, look, I can get my food same day. I can get my groceries same day. Forget about everything else. The Amazon is teaching the customer about convenience and how to get stuff. So if you're any retailer or any brand, it's not something that is not an option anymore. You have to have some give. So that's, you know, just an overarching thing that sits above everything else. Secondly, in terms of penetration, what we have seen with our customers, if you have a scaled out omni channel strategy where you have curbside, bopis, and you also have same day delivery, for example, things change between vertical, but the general ratios we're seeing it's 65, 35 or 70 30 curbside to same day or bopis curbside to same day. So the pickup has greater volumes, partly because pickups free from the most part, or at least retailers are not charging for the most consumers to come, drive to the store and pick up the owners, right? Same to delivery, for the most part, the retailer consumers do have to pay for it, right? Whether it's $5.99, $7.99, the retailers are asking them to pay and things like that. So that's typically the ratios we've seen. But when you look at uh, price sensitivity of a consumer towards delivery, and we had some of our retailers do some experiments, what we found was when you cut the price of same-day delivery by half, so say you were offering it for 99 and now you're offering it for 4.99, the volume went up 6x. Like it's just crazy to see that price sensitivity graph for any customer. So what what this says is if there's ever a day when same-day deliveries became universally free, the volumes are just are gonna go through the roof. Because at the end of the day, who doesn't want free deliveries? It's the most ultimate convenience. And in traditional e-commerce, we do see that every retailer for the most part subsidizes your seven day ground shipping. That's free, right? Because they extract product margin. But now I don't think that day is far away where retailers and, you know, other uh, e-commerce players will start applying that same lens to same day as well. Why not subsidize this as well or so that it increases. The level of spend retailers, consumers have with you, and they come back more and more because it's more convenient just to get your product. So
2: also happens money. I think the the whole you know delivery networks and all these systems like Uber and all they also constantly the efficiencies kick in, right? So for them also prices begin to go down as well as a lot of these things happen. Yeah, yeah.
1: And industry is constantly also being disrupted, right? Newer technologies are coming in. The drones are coming they are coming. <laughs> we'll start to get better. Even the last small providers like the Ubers and Dodashes and the roadies of the world, they will get better and better with batching and route optimizing and start passing these efficiencies back right to where not everything needs to be in an hour. Maybe it's every four hours and that gives the retailer an opportunity to batch to where the prices come down. We'll start seeing that shift. We're already seeing that shift towards optimization. A lot of our older clients who have rolled this out four years ago, they have seen the movie at scale and now they're turning the optimization down versus somebody who's just rolled this out. So we're yeah. already seeing people try to optimize the application and stuff like that. And
2: also interesting is if somebody like Amazon or somebody just like frying you like know, they start adding a lot of these like 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 same-day delivery mechanisms more gracefully, then the pressures will kick in, especially for like different items, like everyday use items like grocery and all those things. Yep. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
0: I love the idea of optimi- optimization of uh, same-day delivery. I didn't realize we were that sophisticated already, but I'm glad to hear it because I, as, a, as an old retailer, I get real nervous at whether this really pays for itself or whatnot, but... But the more we can batch, and if we can start to talk about batching same day, that sure makes a whole heck of a lot more sense. I'll give
2: you a practical example, Jeff. Right now, we, we never shop for our groceries at Safeway. We basically have a pickup because we have a list and then we pick it up on Sundays because it's very depressing to shop uh, for groceries. It's a, very, it's a very practical example, right? It's like one of those chores you want to avoid, right? But then now with the same button, if they pay off delivery, they do, but like their prices are higher, they don't, it's not very stable. But assuming that it becomes more stable and then more affordable, suddenly you can just enable that and then it just shows up in your funder. funder. Just like everything from Amazon shows up.
0: What are some of the, the retailers that you work with?
2: We work across
0: all verticals of
1: retail. If you look at a uh, grocery, for example, because like Brian just mentioned yeah, grocery, but Blah Blah, Wake Fund, you have PriceRide, ShopRide banners, a Giant Eagle, Lowest Foods, United Supermarkets. So we work with a lot of these big grocers, but we also power grocery platforms. So if you're a grocery e commerce platform like uh, Winshop, the Thrive AI, Shop folks, or who have other grocers on your platform, so uh, a big part of our business is not just working with direct retailers, but we also work with platforms who have other retailers on them. Some grocery, wind are a good example. If you look at the alcohol vertical, the biggest alcohol retailer in the U.S., total wine and more, all their delivery force to us. But... On the same toe, we also work with uh, alcohol e-commerce platforms like Thirsty, for example, and Swig, and so on and so forth. If you look at specialty retail, Michaels, GameStop, if you look at apparel, Abercrombie, Paxson, Belk, Beauty, Sally Beauty, Sephora, if you look at big and bulk, Office Depot, At Home, if you look at supply chain players like microbe, and players like Flex, shipping players like Pitney Bowes. you know, Pitney has a same-day delivery uh, capability. All of that's 100% white-label delivery solutions. So we work across the spectrum both retailers and platforms, right? Which is we're very fortunate to be in that seat because we get to see this from many different angles, and that's why the platform is where it's at the level it's at because you looked at the same problem in different facets and tried to solve for all the intricacies and try to solve it in a way where it's you know leverageable by like different verticals of retail. So that kind of gives you an idea of the spectrum that we deal
0: with. There's some. Um... Been a pretty significant increase in retail theft lately. Does your capabilities, your technology have any way of of managing that uh, potential loss?
1: Yeah, I think one way we kind of help in the realm is for a lot of our customers, we are the single suited truth of what exactly is happening, right? They may have a a complex fulfillment strategy that deals you know, with shipping and partial players and that deals with like same-day delivery and those type of players. Our platform is the one a, that's connected to all of them and orchestrating all of it. All the data sits in our platform. It'd we exactly map out where the chain of custody is of that particular item at all times, right? Is it ready for pickup? Is it staged? Is it now transferred to the delivery provider? And now it's on route. Oh, can I look at their delivery and can I track the driver on the map? We have all of that stuff. Oh, now it's handed over to the customer. Here's the customer signature, all of that stuff. So we are able to show the chain of custody for everybody. And and that kind of helps if if there is something that goes wrong, you can exactly see where the problem happened and take steps to prevent things like that. So we help on that side by visibility, awareness, exception handling, some of those items is how we help in that
0: realm. So you can track it right down to the person's doorstep. Yeah. We
1: track it down to which driver took it, what's his name, what car he's driving, what's his phone number, where is he right now. And like, you can see the driver on the map. It doesn't matter if the driver is a TODAS driver or Uber driver or their own fleet driver. And then when it's handed over to the customer, or if they leave it at the door and they take a picture and things like that, or maybe there's some items that are signature required. So, you know, that actual handoff happens and the customer signs for it. Now, there's also, some newer technologies coming, like lockboxes in the house. These just refrigerated where you can like smart box. And that's something else that a platform like ours can handle, right? Where a delivery driver is showing up at the house there's a smart lockbox in the house. And he's got the code to unlock it. He can put it in there. The, the box locks itself. And all of that is tracked as well. So we haven't seen that take off too much, but Walmart was going to exper- experimenting with some of that stuff. But there are a lot of technologies that are not mainstream right now. They're all available through this platform. So any retailer who's wanting to invest and experiment with even some of the more new, newer age stuff. So think deliveries into the garage or things, deliveries to the trunk of somebody's car and all that integration that needs to happen. A platform like ours would take care of things like that as well.
0: Do you have a, a position on whether it's one of the one of the things the analysts get asked about whether somebody should a, a driver or delivery person should have access to a person's house or a garage? Do you have a position on that, or, or are you just agnostic?
1: We are very successful because we are very agnostic. So I think we leave the decision up to our customers and what experience they want to craft for for their for their customer for their end customers. And we can help facilitate. And then if there are some checks and safeguards and balances that can be built in, we can use technology and deploy it to do that. But as a company, it works out well for me. We stay agnostic you know, matters like this.
0: This isn't your first startup. So what, do you, what yeah. you want to just talk a little bit about your first startup, which sounds amazing, and then maybe some of the lessons learned. And how did those lessons impact what you're doing now? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, yeah that, that's always a good story to tell. So prior to this company, me and my co-founder, um, we we had uh, a different company called Nash uh, Delivery. We were actually in the alcohol on-demand delivery. So it was basically B2C e-commerce. So we had an app on the web, we had a website um, where you could order beer, wine, and spirits and uh, delivered to your door 60, uh, 60 minutes. Stage circa 2013. <laughs> It was there, we not only had the e-commerce piece, but we partnered with a lot of liquor stores for the inventory. And we also had the delivery company. We had our own drivers. First, it was a fleet, and then we changed over to the gig model, just like we were in the business of doing our thing, So it was a pretty complicated business, very highly technology-driven and things like that. And during the course of that, our drivers were delivering orders that came on our app. So we, we said, hey, a lot of people, People need same day and doesn't seem like there's a lot of same day options. So, we also started 3PLing our delivery to who wanted same day. So, one of our biggest customers actually was Instacart, where every alcohol order Instacart was taking in the state of Texas was being delivered by Lastron. So uh, it was pretty interesting and a very great experience To where, you know, so we pretty much had a delivery service that was also a 3PL, also delivering for our own app. We eventually got acquired by HEV, which is a big grocer uh, in, the, in the Texas area. And there were a lot of lessons learned in this journey. One was we made a bet that like how we opened our fleet up to other people as a 3PL, we made a bet that, you know what, Uber would probably do more than rides, DoDash will do more than food uh, and things like that. And these other large fleets that are only doing one thing today will probably open up for generic retail deliveries. And we made a bet that when that happens, we should have, we should make it easy and we should have a capability for a retailer or anybody else to consume the combined powers of all of these fleets. That was the big founding idea uh, based on the lessons learned from last delivery, right? Some of the other lessons learned were we kept what we thought was good, what we were good at, and we got rid of what we didn't think we were very strong at. So we were not very the best B2C marketeers uh, for our app, I'll be first to admit it, right? So that's why SaaS is like, uh, that's why delivery solutions trick B2B. We also learned that doing deliveries is extremely hard. So all the respect to all the delivery partners we looked with, but that was hard. So we said, okay, this time around, we won't be in the delivery, we'll you know we'll facilitate it but we won't actually touch the product we'll be in the delivery business ourselves but our experience running deliveries of drivers does does help did help shape the point of view that we had during this product so so we kept things we were good at we were we were great at tech that's the core of our platform and we got rid of things that you know we were sort of sub and that's kind of what shapes what, what we are today but
0: well, there's a lot of life lessons there we we have an awful lot of entrepreneurs that that, that matter of fact we are and we're dedicated entrepreneurs so I think the thing that I heard you say—the thought of delivering alcohol and having drivers deliver—that has to be the biggest headache imaginable. I cannot imagine a more complex mess than to have people, young guys, probably guys, delivering alcohol. Yeah. But then you were smart enough as you evolved um, to think about what what was good, what was not good. Was it hard getting rid of the delivery aspect, or was it probably pretty easy? To say, no, uh, it's a headache. Let's not do it. Uh,
1: no, we got out of that business because of the act. So then all of that
0: was transferred over. But were you tempted to, to think about delivery again in this next iteration or was it, no, not a chance? Because no. Gig was already there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Being there, done that, It's uh, it was a hard business to be in. Uh, even back, you know, back now I think, look, now there's more technology available to make on how you source drivers, your pool drivers, how you automatically pay them. And you know, technology has come a long way. But eight, nine years ago, there was not all of these tools available for this space and we had to create everything by hand and from scratch things were hard back then and yeah we were very clear about okay we've learned this we know what it is yeah we couldn't have picked a more complex use case to also do the app and the the b2c piece and then also do all the logistics piece and also on a product that's which has age restrictions and you've got to do id checks and there's like a lot of regulation on the product in terms of zoning and things like that so we picked like the absolute worst thing to go crack, but hey, we won't have our delivery solutions if you are non manager. That was all it's great. We had an exit on that, so that was great, and then that did help shape who we are today.
0: So I heard, I had a chance to listen to you at Manifest, which was, which is, from my perspective, just an amazing conference. You talked about the increase in companies shifting to uh, SaaS platforms that are holistic versus the single provider, which I thought was really interesting. What other trends are you seeing that you anticipate in the next year or so? Yeah, I think a couple of things, right? So one is, uh,
1: it's the more problems you can solve, the more simple you can make it, the more adoption you'll see. So the retailers don't have to, or customers don't have to sit and stitch point solutions for like single use cases. So that's why I think our uh, solution has so much traction is because we're able to solve a lot of use cases just in one API. So once you connect to us, one time you've got your same day solved, you've got your shipping solved, you've got your curbside bobe solved all that becomes configuration. So there's a lot of the, the, there's a lot of demand and adoption for things like that. The other thing I think that we'll see is as customers have rolled out some of these new ops, as we were talking before, there will be a recalibration around optimization. It will happen on the service provider side, right? On the DoorDashs, Ubers, the Instacarts on the ship side. It'll also happen on the retailer side where the way they'll demand shape and maybe, Jeff, not everything needs to be in and out. Maybe there's a, a better solution between a two-day ship using uh, FedEx and a one-out. Maybe the right optimal answer is somewhere in the somewhere in middle. A-, a lot of retailers are going to experimenting with that, but we'll see more of that in there. Uh, also... Blending in your shipping operations and your same-day operations to find the most optimal outcome for your customer. We had another customer do an analysis, right? They have about 2,000 stores, but they also ship a lot from the DCs. And they said, okay, they looked at all the shipping that did from DCs nationwide, and this is before they launched same-day delivery. They're like, okay, what percentage of our customers they were shipping from lived within 15 miles of our store? Yeah, answer was an astonishing 15 to 17% of the customers are actually within driving like 10 miles of a store or 12 miles of a store. So instead of shipping all of these back the same day, you can alleviate some of the stress from the DCs and all your quotas you have around ship volume and stuff like that. And kind of start using stores that is like forward deployed fulfillment centers if you will, and start doing either ship from store or deliver from store and things like that. So this blend of all the channels, whether it's like ship and deliver from store, and even the customers coming into shop, trying to make it a little more seamless to the customer, we're seeing a lot of the work on on that end, right, with some of our more mature customers.
0: So you had a, a recent announcement with a small little retailer. Do you wanna do you wanna talk about what you're doing? So we just announced a partnership with Walmart Go Local. So
1: what Walmart did there was uh, they had their in-house delivery service, which is basically based on a gig model economy that they were using exclusively for delivery for all of the Walmart locations for so their own same-day deliveries. So now they basically took all of that tech and they, for the lack of a better term, AWS did to where now they're you <laughs> know offering. <laughs> I know there's a better term, and that seems to be the standard. They're offering the tech to any other uh, retailer or platform who wants to use their in-house delivery service for, to facilitate their orders. Like how we have partnered with you know so many different delivery providers, we just set up our integration and partnership uh, with them, which is a great welcome addition in the world of same-day delivery. I think the more providers there are, and each one of them you know, brings their unique perspective, their unique coverage, their unique way of doing business. I think at the end of the day, it's the retailers that benefit, right? Where they can use platforms like ours and tap into the combined orchestration, the combined coverage, and the cost efficiencies of these multiple vendors. So it's a great thing for the industry for somebody like a Walmart to also jump into the fray. And goes back to our earlier thesis, right? We've always said these networks will open up, and that's exactly what keeps happening. A Walmart network is very internal to their. And now they've opened it up. And, and that's, we, we keep seeing that time and time again. Oh, that's yeah, pretty good.
2: Especially, especially given the fact that everything is going international. He was p- working with a couple of Latin American providers. There you have players like Rappi and all these guys. So now if you were to be an international chain that has American, Canada rate, as well as Latin American plus European. Now a network like this is really interesting because now it's just a one stop shop instead of a Thousands of hundred not thousands, but at least a couple of handfuls of dozens of points of the show. So
1: and international, Brian, is coming for us, right? So we already launched in Australia last year. We've got a big alcohol retailer over there. We have Europe coming year very soon because a lot of our customers are also international. We rolled out their U.S. stores and now they're like, OK, done that in the U.S. and Canada. Now you know, we have stores in Europe and let's go roll that out. So our customers are organically taking us international. This year, we're also going to be focused by having sales staff and other resources now in this international locations as well. Yeah,
0: that's such a strong indication of how rapidly maturing this space is, you know, that I love the idea that we're maximizing that that delivery capacity because that, I mean, that's going to make it make a lot more sense, uh, more sustainable, all that good stuff. Hey, and wrapping up, I always like to ask the last two questions. What advice would you give for budding entrepreneurs? I think some of the lessons learned for me, and one of the biggest
1: ones is—it's kind of becoming a become a philosophy for me—is you know what? There's never a good time to any. I think, and that's my philosophy is like I think a lot of people wait for the ideal time to get something going and get something started, and I I just think that the uh, concept of the right time is just is just a. It's a fallacy. There's no such thing. The right time never exists. There's never a right time for anything. There's always something or the other happening. Our world is very complex. I think pulling the trigger, taking that shot, even when you don't think you're ready, just making the right moves in that direction itself is a big step forward. You may stumble, you may fail, and things like that. But if you sit and wait for the right conditions and the right opportunity and this and that, you'll probably squander away like a lot of years and stuff like that. So I think I know it's a little bit philosophical, but that's how, uh, you know, if I've distilled down like the last seven, nine years of my life, that's one of the
0: biggest lessons. This is a lot of money, right? Good stuff. One last question. What skills that you use today do you wish you would have paid more attention to back in the early part of your career or back in college?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I... um.
1: I think I, I came from a corporate background. I used to work for Cisco and tech support consulting and then eventually sales for them. And then we went, I went from there to to having an app that delivers booze. So nothing in mind. <laughs> a corporate kid prepared me for that switch. But I think one thing that if I look back now is in my career, I didn't have a lot of men who were entrepreneurs and I was not exposed to that one. It was almost like For 15 years, I was in the corporate world and that's the only world I knew. And I never bothered to look beyond right. It was all about, hey, I work for this company. This is my mission. This is all I'm doing. No reading. So I think getting out of your comfort zone and looking at other people and just engaging with people who are different than you and who are doing different things, that helps a lot. I wish I had much sooner. Uh, And also, I think finding the right uh, mentors right you don't have to go figure everything out yourself there are people who have seen this movie before there are people who have starred in this movie and you know I've had great roles I think half hour one hour with those people is really save you a lot of time and effort but these are things that I didn't do in my. if I just exposed more and went and sought some- mentored, I would have made maybe,
0: you know, I wouldn't have done maybe, I made, I don't know, 50 mistakes. I probably wouldn't have made twenty five if I had some exposure. Wow, that's fantastic. I'm going to ask one follow-up question, so I lied. One follow-up question on that, (laughs) and I bet I know the answer to this. You mentioned lack of mentors, and I hear that from a lot of the kids that I talk to in in various colleges around these things. I'm curious, how many people have, young people have reached out to you to ask to be mentored or two, asked for maybe a half hour of your time, just saying, hey, I'm a young entrepreneur. Give me three or four thoughts or something. I'm just curious, how many kids have reached out to you? Zero. The
1: only, my my school, I went to business school at Duke. And Duke has a, a very good entrepreneurship program where they go to the alumni who are now in entrepreneurship and they invited you to come and chat with all of their students for their current class and stuff like that. So I think that was one thing I, I did last year and that was like highly fulfilling but it was under the Duke banners and they facilitated in that. But nobody organically has come and said, "I'm trying to do something." I have lots to say, and it's very important, right? It's very important that you don't have to reinvent the wheel like from scratch every time. It's, it's you not. A you problem.
0: just have to have the guts to ask. That's the point I want to get at. And thanks, thanks for the time today. Very interesting stuff. How can how can uh, retailers get? In- we are at uh, www.deliverysolutions.co.
1: There's a contact form over there, so you can just hit us up on that and. Uh, you know, or on LinkedIn, uh, these are the two primary ways that, that they can get in touch with us. And, you know, we are very responsive and uh, we'd be happy to chat about, uh, you know, any other use cases where we can add value.
0: Fantastic. Thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Jeff. I really enjoyed it.
1: So I appreciate you having me on. Um, you know, thank you again. Cheers. Yeah.
0: You Bye. Thank you. Take
2: care. All right. You too. Bye.
0: Thanks for tuning into today's episode. For more info, refer to the pod notes below. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating and review. It really helps us grow. I'm your host, Jeff Roster, analyst at large. If you want to connect, follow us on Twitter at JeffPR or at Brian Athanasian, or connect with us on LinkedIn. Visit my website at roster.retail.com or Brian's at editret.ai. Until next time, stay safe and have a great week.